So today we're joined by Madison. <laughs> you want to say <laughs> hi, Madison? Hi, I'm Madison. <laughs> hey, Madison. <laughs> hey, Chris. And, you know, we've talked about many different topics on the Weekly Hook. We've talked about films. We've talked about... What else have we talked about? I really have no idea. I can't really remember right now. But um, Music and... Uh, games. Games, TV for shows? sure. <laughs> yeah. Opera. We talked about opera and hummus but in the grand scheme of things we have yet to really discuss one of the what i would say is fundamental places to my childhood and i would also think to madison's childhood as well and i know that chris hasn't been to this place and nevertheless i think he will be interested in our discussion regarding what i think is you know the most magical place on earth and that is (laughs) Disney World. Wow. Okay. I'm all up for this. (laughs) Nice. I have not (laughs) been there, obviously. So... Yeah, I was wondering, have you been to the Disney in Paris? No, I've never been to France. Oh, yeah, I think I remember <laughs> that. Rashad is losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've played this game, Rashad, and how many countries we've been, and I've been in a, a literal fraction of where you have been. I haven't traveled at all. That's like the running joke with all of my friends. Except Rashad has traveled more than most, so... Yes. It's quite the comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the airport game. Remember the airport game, Rashad? Oh, yeah. What was it again? <laughs> Can you remind me exactly? Uh, like, we, I mean, we were just hanging out with some friends and we were just talking about how many airports we've been to. And you've been at over 100 and I was at like 13 or something. Oh, wow. Well, 13's quite a bit, honestly, if you have not traveled that much. No. but I have no idea how many airports I've been to. That would be like a long process to figure out. Yeah, basically, what I think I had to do is just, just sit there and go over lists of airports geographically and be like, <laughs> oh, have I been there? Do I have any memory of that place? Yes. Okay. Essentially. So I'm sure I missed something, but in Probably. the grand scheme of things... Well, were you counting connections? I was counting. I think we're counting connections as well. So like every airport you've been to. That's a lot of airports for me, I think. Well, either way. (laughs) (laughs) You've never been to Disney World, right, Chris? No, I have not been. I've heard a great many things about it, but I'm still thinking, is this something for me? But I guess you will make the case for it. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And Madison is our residence Disney World expert. So this is why she has come on to preach the good, the gospel. The gospel. (laughs) I would make an argument that the Disney World is the modern day American pilgrimage. I feel like that's an argument that can be made. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, from everything that I've heard, people are obsessed with it. So yeah, kind of. And it's generational, Mm. intergenerational, at least for me. Yeah, Yeah, I guess going into it, like, Madison, what's your relationship with Disney World? 
or Disney in general, if you want to expand? Yeah, sure. Um, so my mom and grandmother lived in Florida for um, part of my mom's childhood. Um, and my grandmother brought my mom to Disney World when she was a child. And my mom fell in love with Disney World and the experience there and everything about it. And so when she had me years later, she felt it was like the most important thing in my childhood that I go to Disney. Um, so as a result of that, I would go with my mom and my grandmother. So it was very much a kind of family thing. Um, you know, three generations going together and we would go every year. So um, at the last check um, a few years ago, we were in the system, meaning this is since computers have been introduced at Disney World, we were in the system 44 times. Um, <laughs> wow. which, yeah, that's my mom. So I think she's gone a few more times than me. Um, but I had been, you know, at least once a year, every year since I was born. And, um, and I'm turning 30 this year. So that is pretty crazy when you think about it. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. So, I get it. So, yeah, it's like a familial thing for me. It's very much uh, there's there's memories associated with the parks, with certain rides, um, with things that don't change. And, you know, memories associated with, with my grandfather who passed away when I was 10. So there's an element of it that, you know, when I go back and I do certain rides, I remember which ones he liked and there's that feeling of, of being there with him a little bit, even though, you know, that was many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And how would you say your experience has maybe changed going there as a child to now still going there as an adult? Oh God. Um, I mean, I just know the parks so well and I have so many layers of memories in those parks. Uh, and, you know, it's different every time you go, every time you experience it based on who you go with. Um, so obviously doing it with my family is one kind of way of doing it with my mom. We have a very specific set of ways of doing it with me and my mom um, and my grandma. But going with friends obviously means that, you know, these days I'm, I'm drinking at Disney. I'm having a good time there. Um, and so it, it just completely changes up the whole experience. And then, of course, there's the areas which have only opened up in the last few years um, of, of the parks, which I think we'll talk a bit about today. But there's some areas that just just opened. Um, so getting to experience areas of the park that I'd never experienced with my family. So getting to experience those for the first time kind of as an adult and uh, and with friends. So that's a completely different experience, too. I'm interested. I'm interested to hear about the i don't know what you the word you specifically use but the strategy you have when going to disney mm. with your mother <laughs> yeah we're very very strategic um so part of part of the parks is there's often a ton of people there and there's directions you can go in so if you think about um i'll explain one particular park in, as an example magic kingdom is kind of the key park the number one first park um and that's the one with the disney castle cinderella's castle in walt disney world um cinderella uh sleeping beauties and uh disneyland um and that's the one where you choose to go straight right or left 
Um, if you go straight towards the castle and through the castle, you get to Fantasyland. If you go left, you're going Frontierland. And if you're going right, you're going to Tomorrowland. And that decision at the beginning of the day of the park will dictate how you go about doing the park um, and how you experience the park. And then there's an element of it as well, which is there's this thing called fast passes, which means you'll put down, basically you put down your name on the app these days. It used to be paper. There's um, an app but- now? Yeah, there's a great app. Um, so yeah, so you, that's how you um, reserve on Rise of the Resistance, actually, is the app. So we can talk about that later. But um, yeah, so you, you reserve on the app, basically, um, for a specific time slot for that ride. So you plan it all kind of weeks in advance where you plan out different rides. And you can, you can be strategic in how you plan out the timings of those rides based on the locations of them, if you know them well enough. So my family always goes left towards Frontierland. I don't know if I should be telling people this. Maybe my family will be mad at me. Um, yeah, we always <laughs> go left. Secrets. <laughs> yeah, uh, most people go straight or right um, to, to towards Tomorrowland. We always go left. Um, so, so that's that's towards Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a classic, um, and and uh, the Enchanted Tiki Room, which is also a classic, both of which tend to have rather short lines at the beginning of the day. Um, Tiki Room never really has a line, um, but Pirates usually does, and so does the Jungle Cruise. So um, try and get those kind of out of the way because those are the kind of nostalgic ones. See, that's Um, amazing because like just the introduction of the app changes the game entirely. I assume you don't have to physically be at the place. So like... What I would always do is turn right, get a fast pass for Space Mountain, and then turn left. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to get that yeah. fast pass and then come back to it as soon as possible. And yeah, like, you, interesting. You don't have to do that anymore. So, it totally changed the game for people that are used to playing the Disney game a little bit. Um, in that, the last time I went to Disney, um, I planned it weeks in advance, and you just go online onto the Disney My Disney app uh, website. And you can pick all of your fast passes, you know, weeks in advance. Wait, you don't even have to do it the same day? No. Whoa. Yeah, it's completely changed. How do they limit the fast passes then? Yeah, they, they must have a certain number of them. So sometimes you sometimes you go on it in advance, especially around the Christmas time bookings. You should go on three to four weeks in advance for your fast passes, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. This is mind blowing. It's so funny to me that I, who has never been there, I knew that there was an app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the app has become really important. Yeah, I can imagine. I think it's been a while since I've been to Disney. Disney World in particular, I haven't been in a long time. I think the last Disney I went to was Disneyland Paris, I think Mm. in 2016. Mm. I think was the last time I've been to a Disney park. Yeah, and that's a that's a shame, honestly. But here we are in the future, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it changes based on park to park as well. So some parks, I don't, I don't know the differences between Disneyland Paris versus Disneyland and Disney World. But Disneyland and Disney World tend to get the tech advances first, so they would probably get the the app and those types of things before. Yeah, good thing there isn't a Disney World in uh, Germany because that would take another 50 years for any like technology to arrive. You know? so. <laughs> I mean, they'd still be taking cash, honestly. I mean, of <laughs> course they would. <laughs> and give you like like paper tickets and stuff like that, for sure. 
<laughs> I mean, but, people who are nostalgic for those fast pass paper ones would be super happy about that. Day of fast passes back to the old school. I mean, I kind of like that just because of the the strategy and kind of pseudo ruthlessness that is required to get all of the passes <laughs> yeah. you need. Yeah, you would it's like true. that, Rashad. That's so totally your mo. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my family, we're um, we're six, and usually would have some people come with us. And if there were people who didn't like to do rides, we would use their tickets to get extra fast passes for other rides that other people wanted to go on. So that was also oh, that's pretty so ruthless. smart. That's so <laughs> smart. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we should back up for one second, just because there might, there may conceivably be someone who doesn't know what disney world is mm. and i'm wondering madison do you think you could give us like a oh, ten thousand feet above like view of what disney world is and what a sort of yeah what it is well it kind of comes from the history of disney world to be honest and disneyland particularly right the first park is disneyland california in anaheim um, and it comes from Walt Disney World himself, Walt Disney World Studios, where the animation studios were doing really well. Um, and he had these afternoons, weekends with his daughters, where he felt he didn't have a place to go where he could experience kind of play and fun with them. So if you brought someone to like a carousel or something, it was just the kid on the carousel and you kind of standing out. Um, whereas he wanted to experience something with his daughters alongside them. And that was kind of his idea for how Disneyland was created. He wanted it to be kind of an experiential thing that adults and children, parents and their kids could do together. Um, so they really are just theme parks. Um, but the kind of magic of them really involves the storytelling aspect and the, experience of it so be it the experience of waiting in line there'll be some type of experience involved in waiting in line for the ride there'll be the experience of the ride itself which you're going to be able to do kids and adults alike and there's the kind of storytelling aspect as well yeah that's really interesting and i think that from my understanding as disney parks have ex had expanded i think it wasn't Disney World wasn't even the second location, right? I think it was Disney Japan was the second location. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then Disney Paris in conjunction, similar time with Disney World. And yeah. it was an interesting sort of business decision to sort of expand Disney World into something that is just infinitely larger than the original Disneyland. Creating well, there was a reason behind it, right? So um, Walt was walking around Disneyland one day. Um, and he, so there are very specific areas to Disneyland. So one thing that's particular to Disneyland and Disney parks worldwide is that there'll be lands involved, right? So Tomorrowland or Fantasyland, and all of those will have rides themed to that specific kind of thought process or genre in that land section. So you know, you'll have Space Mountain is in Tomorrowland because it's futuristic. Whereas, you know, something more along the lines of um, something in Frontierland will be completely different, right? Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and they're not in, they're not one next to the other. They'll be in separate kind of lands and areas that will have kind of a um, 
kind of a theme in the decor and the buildings and everything will all be alongside along those lines. Um, so that was really different. And what happened was at Disneyland, California, Disneyland is in Anaheim, California, and it was quite tight. And he saw one of the cowboys for, from Frontierland walking through Tomorrowland. And he felt that that broke the magic. And he really, really hated that. So he wanted to go bigger in order to put tunnels under the park. So Walt Disney World is actually built over a huge maze of tunnels. Um, and what happens is that you never, ever see any of the characters or staff members or cleaning crews walking through the park because they're kind of in the underground maze under the park so that the magic is never broken. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. And do these mazes of um, underground tunnels go in between the parks as well? Yeah. They can uh, they can go in between the parks. They've got um, buses to uh, the parking lots for their um, cast members, which is their their um, their employees. They're called cast members, um, and you know, makeup, haircuts, um, costume, all of that is all underground. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea yeah. about the underground world of Disney World. Yeah. It's a huge part of what makes Disney World so cohesive. Interesting. And one of the interesting things uh, for me has been uh, looking at the different Disneylands in different countries as well and culturally mm. which ones worked and which ones sort of didn't work because mm. of this unique employment or corporate culture surrounding the Disney parks in general. And I remember uh, looking into a little bit more about the. Dis I had actually never been to Disney Tokyo, but looking into the success of Disney Tokyo was mm. a lot of it was integrated into the way that employment works in Japan generally, and these expectations of having very strict regulations upon what cast members could do, how they have to have their hair, their makeup, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. worked really well from a from a from a corporate culture in Japan and that tied along with the consumer culture that is rampant through the Japan in the post-war era was a very big part of why I specifically Tokyo Disney is I think the single most visited park in the world if you take out you know Disney World as four separate parks if that makes sense yeah right yeah and absolutely. yeah I remember this is very nerdy but i was reading michael eisner's memoirs about <laughs> different disney parks and one of the you know they believed at the at the conception of disneyland paris that they could do something very similar to disney tokyo right and one of the things that differentiates them from a management structure perspective is that disney tokyo was actually managed directly by a japanese company and was worked working in conjunction with disney but when they opened up Disneyland Paris, they decided to try and sort of own it sort of in, in its entirety and build it out from its direct subsidiary of Disney, which then led to some actually clashes with the employment and the corporate culture in from a French cultural perspective, where trying to control every aspect to a certain degree did not go as well in France as it did in Japan. And then that combined with um, a 
different cultural entanglement when you look at Disney's representation of, you know, Americanization in Europe versus that in Japan was not seen as favorably. So it was for years and years and decades and still till today, Disneyland Paris is seen as one of the least successful Disney parks or if not the least successful Disney park uh, out there. While it still, mm-hmm. you know, does gain a lot of tourists and people coming from all over the all over the continent to come see it, it doesn't have that same air of success that Disneyland Tokyo and the others in the United States see. And all this is the all this is to say that the culmination of this Disneyland movement globally is that of Disney World, in which you mm-hmm. have four huge humongous parks clustered around an entire i don't know do you know how many acres it is it is just like a massive city basically sized property that is owned by disney yeah and i mean they own hotels they own um you know campground sites they own lakes they own a full kind of slightly terrifying but also wonderful um, housing complex where you can have a house on Disney property um, and every house is worth millions. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy place a little bit. I mean, just the car park alone is huge from what I've heard. Yeah. So. <laughs> For sure. And it's just like, you know, there's just so much space in Orlando mm-hmm. at the time. So, yes. you know, and now it's just like everything about Orlando centers around Disney World, right? And or other universal. or universal. <laughs> and I, I I don't know, was Universal made before Disney World? I actually don't know. I mean, they were pretty they were pretty concurrent with each other. They were quite Got it. I mean, pretty sure that they came around similar times. But I think there was a while there where Universal was really not doing well comparatively to Disney. Disney was really taking over. Um, And that's the point at which Universal got Harry Potter. Um, And that really flipped things around uh, and gave Universal the push that it needed to to keep going in a fight against Disney a little bit. Yeah, and to that day, that sort of echoes all across uh, Universal parks, whether that be in Los Angeles or Japan Mm. as well, where they have these... You know, they, they really struggled and they're sort of the, the knockoff version of Disney or seen as the knockoff Disney. But, yeah. you know, Harry Potter and Harry Potter worlds have really expanded entirely the, the you know, the market, the people that go there. Just some Actually, life, just some life follow up. <clears throat> uh, Disney World was opened in 71 and Universal Orlando was opened in 1990. Oh, wow. Okay. So sort of, yeah, that kind of makes sense because from my understanding is that Disney World sort of made orlando to a certain extent a lot much larger destination for theme parks in general yeah um, and things popping up around it and even to the extent that the basketball team from orlando the nba team is called the orlando magic it is yeah. the the ethos is of the city is connected to orlando and i'm sure some floridians from orlando will you know scream at me for saying this but it is one of the reasons why people it's the reason or the biggest reason people go to orlando honestly yeah Um, and it and it completely feeds the whole of the like the whole of the city right like most people will work for universal or disney um or you know a surrounding hotel or restaurant or whatever it is that that's pretty much their 
most of their economy, um, which is why it was so, so difficult during the pandemic for them, because there was no tourism. Yeah, I can imagine, honestly. And it, it's interesting from like, oh, this is very weird thing to think about but the geography of florida itself mm-hmm. uh, where you have on both coasts of florida you have i mean we're ignoring the panhandle for now but for yeah. most post coasts of florida you have cities and urban centers that have a lot of tourism and people moving there and industry on each side mm-hmm. and nothing was really in the center of the state yeah and orlando sort of emerged as this, this byway as a center point to sort of bind both the the, the Gulf of Mexico coast as well as the Atlantic coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting, when you think about it geographically speaking, where it lies yeah. and how it's a connective tissue for the entire state in and of itself. Well, and the reason it's there is because that was Orange Grove land and Disney bought it up, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was available land for them. So, And the climate was good. <laughs> I mean, that 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 goes that goes without saying honestly yeah but except for honestly summers in disney are hell <laughs> i am not oh yeah like so hot um but okay so we can move on from florida's geography if this is not <laughs> enthralling content honestly <laughs> but so okay so we have please correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure they haven't done anything new but there are four parks in disney Right? That's right, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, uh, oh my god, Animal Kingdom, and Epcot. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Madison, can you maybe describe the different parks for people? Like, what make them a little bit different? What's the specialties for each of them, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Um, so Magic Kingdom is kind of the original park. Like I said, it's the one with the, with the castle. So that one very much gives the feeling of fantasy. Um, so very much seen as the kind of original park, but also the kind of kind of the kids park. Um, the ones that, you know, all the kiddies will want to go to. That's the one. Um, Epcot is meant to be, it's an acronym, if I'm not mistaken, something of tomorrow, um, something community of tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Res- Experimental yeah. project. Experimental. Yeah, there you go. Um, so it's meant to be kind of futuristic. It's, it's often seen as the adult park um, because it has uh, pavilions for each of the uh, a good a couple of the countries of the world um, and definitely one for each continent. And, uh, and there's drinks associated with each place, drinks and food, which is super fun. Um, so that's kind of seen as the kind of older park. Then there's Hollywood Studios, which used to be called MGM, which kind of has that cinematic quality. So a lot of the kind of more film-based kind of real are associated with that. So Indiana Jones, Star Wars, um, and others are kind of associated with that particular park. Um, And then Animal Kingdom has the kind of a little bit of a zoo aspect. So obviously animals involved, but also kind of more of a natural thing. So they've got um, the new the new Pandora world is there as well. Pandora world? I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah. So Pandora is in um, Avatar, the movie with the blue people. Oh, the blue people sex things. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. They've got two rides for Pandora and that one. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's different themes, obviously, between the different parks. But I'm going to ask you, um, do you have any like specific 
memories or experiences that kind of stick out to your mind in the different, you know, as you're going to Disney World? For each park, do you mean? I mean, if you want to, I'm not going to. I, I do or <laughs> honestly, but. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, specific memories. I mean, I think that it's always been a thing I do with my family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every picture of me as a child is, is I'd say, about 90% at Disney. Um, particularly one that I think I'd want to, to have a picture of if I ever have children um, that I want to recreate is uh, me as a one-year-old. Um, I got, they used to have in the, the stores there, they used to have kind of like a tower of teddy bears, Disney themed teddy bears. And I was about the same size as a teddy bear at the time. So my parents just like put me inside this tower of teddy bears. And there's a picture of me amongst like a sea (laughs) of teddy bears. And I just think it's the funniest thing. Um, I don't remember that, but I very viscerally remember being told about it in the picture of it. Um, and, and how much that meant to my parents for some reason. Um, but I guess the, the memories that I have are really just very much familial ones, right? Like ones with, with my mom sitting in the Tiki room, um, hearing that song. For me, it's very musical, actually, I think. Um, so kind of hearing that song, and it's very experiential. Like there are certain smells associated with Disney World, um, which actually I found out afterwards. They, they pump certain smells into the park as well. Um, so they have like these kind of air filters that pump certain scents at different points in the park to give you Damn. that kind of experimental experiential feeling. They do the same in the hotels as well. And it's become a whole side hustle for certain people to create essential oils that mimic the ones from the parks so people can have it in their homes. Fun side note. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they really have thought of everything. They really have. And I think that's the thing is they think of it as a whole, as a cohesive whole. So some of the new rides also have scent associated with them. Um and not the kind of honey, I shrunk the kids things jumping out at you kind of sense. Like the new, um, the new Pandora ride. Um, they took it from Soaring, actually, which is an Epcot, where they had different scents put in as you were flying through different locations. So you had like the wild grasses of Africa had a very specific kind of hay, kind of lovely scent. And then you had a different scent when you were going by the Taj Mahal. Um, so they, they trialed it at, uh, at Soaring. And uh, they, they integrated it into the Pandora ride. And the scents in the Pandora ride are unbelievable. I mean, it's so experiential, right? So in the Pandora ride, you're riding that kind of ikran, which is like a dragon. And everyone gets their own dragon. And it's so well done. The first time I did it, you're running away. You're flying away from that kind of giant dragony thing um, on your dragon. And as a horseback rider, I, you know, I'm used to like petting the neck of a creature when, when that creature is nervous and you're at a point where you're hiding from them. And I reflexively went to pet the neck of my dragon. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, because what they have is they have you, you're sitting on kind of a thing and what they do is they mimic the breathing of your dragon in between your knees. Um, and they have the sense pump through and the, the screen is huge in front of you. Um, and it's just so, so like you get so into it that like, yeah, I was trying to reassure my dragon, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Wow. That's, that's amazing to hear. And I now I have to go back and go check out that new stuff, I guess. 
definitely get a fast pass. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, wait well, time well. is like three hours. <laughs> I can imagine. We should do so. like a like a serially hooked world tour at some point, Rashad, and visit. Is that you and I fly to these places? And yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then do a podcast about it afterwards. Yeah, we can do that in line. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have enough time. So, <laughs> um, and that actually is like an interesting question, Madison, or brings me to an interesting question about the changes that are happening in Disney World versus mm-hmm. things that stay the same. Yeah, and it's an interesting balance that they have to continuously strike. And yeah. do you ever find yourself, you know, frustrated by something new that comes out, or are you just like? sort of always on board something's exciting or i'm wondering like how how do they really keep striking that same balance i think they have a hard time um Mm -hmm. i mean the biggest example would be the tiki room um so a couple of years ago they thought the tiki room wasn't getting enough foot traffic and so they decided to change it up and they added in yago and um what's the other one uh, the one, the bird from uh, Lion King. Anyway, they added in the bird from Aladdin, the bird from Lion King into that particular ride. And they had them arguing as a part of the Tiki room and people hated it. Um, really got upset because that's like a really, really classic Disney ride that people have memories of for generations. Um, yeah. So they, they switched it back. Oh, they went back to switch it out. Oh, wow. Yeah, they went back and switched it out and went back to the original. So they definitely listened to their consumers because, yeah, it it means a lot to them. It's very much intergenerational. Uh, But then they're adding on new things and adding on new areas. I know that one of the things in Epcot was that they had that um, Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Nye the Science Guy ride, which was really, really unpopular. Um, over the last few years and they've they've demolished that one and I think they're putting in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. What would that ride even be, Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Nye the Science Guy? I can't... I mean, it was the 90s, right, when they made it Um, and it was about um, energy. Epcot has a bit of a, like, background environmental kind of message Mm -hmm. going through it. Um, You know, they use hydroponics to grow their vegetables there and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, or at least that's what they say. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they had this whole like energy, how is energy created and Bill Nye explaining it to Ellen um, kind of ride. And at some point you end up, you know, among dinosaurs. It's, it's It was an interesting one. <laughs> wow. So I guess that makes sense that they just continuously kind of get feedback from the consumers, I guess, about what is still popular and what's not, right? Yeah. I think it's also foot traffic, right? So they have numbers for all of their rides and they see how, you know, how long the wait times are and, you know, which ones don't have long wait times because people aren't going to them and they sometimes take that into account. I think they definitely did for that particular ride. Yeah, that would make sense. Well, it's interesting because, you know, there are some things that I can think of that are maybe, for me, I guess not the most interesting things, but I feel like they would never change them. Things Mm. like, honestly, like the Hall of Presidents is not my favorite thing. It's also not my favorite, but it's my mom's favorite ride. Really? Yeah. 
What's which I cannot believe it's and she's Canadian. So there's a lot interesting there. Um, But it's, it's, uh, it's my mom's favorite. She thinks the animatronics in that are unreal. And she loves seeing it. And she loves seeing the new presidents being added in. Whereas I became hugely depressed, just sorry, political, but I I got really depressed when Trump was added. Um, So yeah, talk about ruining a magical experience. Yeah, terrible. And they had him reciting the whole oath of the presidential oath which he got wrong anyways anyway don't anyway it's all good (laughs) (laughs) um but i have to ask you about one important thing about disney that is um, yes people a lot of people actually don't know about and um that is uh, hidden mickeys yes so i love hidden mickeys yeah so maybe do you mind explaining what hidden mickeys are and sort of the pseudo culture behind them maybe yeah, sure. So there are two types of things at Disney that um, adults tend to love, um, people that go back again and again. One is that throughout the park, uh, the park, the hotels, everything Disney themed, if there's any type of like, you know, physical aspect of it. So you're walking into a hotel and you're looking down at the carpet. Every once in a while in a swirl or in something, there will be a tiny little Mickey and it could be like the the part of a swirl, part of the the filigree on a, um, you know, on a railing, uh, part of anything, part of the rock formations inside a ride. They'll they'll make Mickey's out of them every once in a while. Um, so it's a whole game that people play where they look for them and they find them throughout the park, throughout the hotels. Um, so it tends to be kind of the adult the adult thing to do and to do with your kids to find those wherever you can. I remember when I was a teenager, I was there and I found out that hidden Mickey's are a thing. Mm. Oh my God. It just blew my mind. We were so obsessed. It's just like going through the park and just looking at the same things over and over again to try to find them. It's amazing. Well, and you think about the, I mean, my dream job is being an Imagineer, which for people who don't know is the, the kind of, the background team between the whole kind of ride theme park um, hotel experience, they come up with the new stuff and make sure that it's all cohesive and that it all exists in the same world and all of that jazz, um, which I would love to do, but you have to be invited. Um, You can't apply for the job, which is sad times for me. Um, But yeah, it's super cool because they have to incorporate hidden Mickey's as well. So they're, they're doing, that's part of their job is figuring out where they're going to put in hidden Mickey's and whoa what a job I know it's such a good one imagine being like a child of an Imagineer and you go to school it's like oh what do your parents do my parents hide Mickey Mouses in Disneyland or Disney World (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty crazy people like yeah right (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, I mean, one thing we haven't talked about yet, which I feel like is kind of crucial to this podcast as well, is um, the new section of Hollywood Studios. Yes, is, let's um, do it. <laughs> which I think Chris will love to hear about, which is um, what's uh-huh. called Batu, and is the new Star Wars section. Oh, yeah. I'm, t- I'm booking my tickets right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I would recommend it 110%. I can mm. say I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. I'm looking over at um, in my flat right now. My flatmate made us a papier-mâché BB-8. 
and I have a, a little Grogu in the corner as well. <laughs> um, so that's our, our decor features alongside plants. But um, I got to go to the opening week of Hollywood Studios at Disney World. Uh, they're, they're Batu, their opening week of Rise of the Resistance, um, which was kind of crazy because it was the 1st of January uh, 2020. So right before the pandemic hit. Um, and I am really, really glad that the day before I was at Epcot getting margaritas. Um, and I'll tell you why, um, I ended up in line next to a couple and, um, we ended up getting in, me and my friend ended up getting into a chat with them and they had been to Hollywood studios and the star Wars land the day before. Um, and they were like, Oh God, you guys need to know, you need to know that you need to get there at 6am. Like you need to get to the park at six o'clock in the morning, like at least two hours before opening um, because it's absolute madness. And I was like, you, you must be out of your mind. And they were like, no, because now with the app, um, you have to be inside the park in order to reserve your spot on Rise of the Resistance. Mm. Um, so ends up, he was 110% correct, by the way. We ended up there at six o'clock in the morning and I have a video of the amount of people that were there. The first of January at six o'clock in the morning after we'd been out at Epcot till till two a.m. Um, so we were a bit tired, but super super excited. And yeah, you're just standing around inside Hollywood Studios with the app, with hundreds of other people waiting to get onto your boarding group for Rise of the Resistance. Um, so thankfully we did. We got a great boarding group, and um, and then they open up the park, and of course everyone books it to the Millennium Falcon because there's a Millennium Falcon ride as well. Um, so that's exactly what we did. Um, I grabbed my friend and I said, screw everyone, make a run for it, um, which is which is sadly what we did. Um, and, uh, you know, skipped ahead of a bunch of people. Sorry, people that were there with me. I uh, used some elbows. Um, to get onto the Millennium Falcon as soon as possible, because that ride is unreal. Done so, so well. So you get to drive the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, what is your yeah. relationship to it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's six people in it, six people in the cockpit. Um, two people are driving. Two people have, like, these hooks and stuff. And then there's people with, with the sh- shooting guns. Nice. And all of it changes your experience of the ride. So your ride will change based on how well you do. Oh, that's oh, so that's cool. Nice and you can yeah. go back and do the different roles conceivably. Yeah. Yeah, and what's really cool is they used tactics from Star Tours because Star Tours used, always had all those different experiences. So they thought that that was part of figuring out, okay, well, we're going to make this almost like a game mechanic and that can change your experience. And then they also use this idea from um, the Carousel of Progress, which turns the audience. And what they have is you walk into the Millennium Falcon on your own. You walk through and you get into the cockpit on your own. But then what they do is they're actually turning you as you go. And so there are like six different pods and they turn as the experience goes on. And like the next group of people gets on behind you into the next pod and it turns until the end. So when you're walking out of the Millennium Falcon, you're walking out alone. So it doesn't break the the feeling that you've driven it by yourself. Nice. Which is kind of so genius. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rashad, I can just picture you like big eyes. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unreal. 
I think I still get chills from it. I can imagine. Wait, just to clarify, Star Tours is still there, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Star Tours so, is still there. So give me a picture. Where is this new Star Wars area in Hollywood Studios? So you're walking through Hollywood Studios' main street. On your right, you'll have um, the Tower of Terror. Yeah. If you continue straight and go left um, past the Little Mermaid ride, Little Mermaid ride will be right in front of you. You'll turn left at the Chinese Theater, and you'll go quite a while left, and eventually you'll hit Batu. Got it. Past Star Tours. Yeah, so left. it's past Star Tours on the left, basically. Yeah. And um, what is in the area? <clears throat> so you mentioned a ride, ride, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. My and... new favorite ride at all of Disney. Crazy, oh, wow. Huh? So what is that Which all is about? Which is pretty big. Rise of the Resistance is an unbelievable ride. Like, it's just done so well. So you end up um, on a kind of freighter trying to help get some information that the resistance has given you to another kind of post with the resistance. Um, and what happens is your freighter. So you walk on to a kind of freighter, which has all of the windows are obviously like screens, which showing you different things. And they have, obviously you're moving around as if you're on a spaceship. And at some point the, um, the first order catches you. And so you get beamed up to a first order ship. And I mean, there's images of this. I have videos of this, but you walk out into a full star, uh, like star destroyer. Like nice. you walk into like a full and there's like four rows of stormtroopers in front of you with, you know, those giant like ovally windows that lead into space behind them. Mm. Like yeah. the ones that are as big as a house. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the moment you're like, holy shit, like I'm actually in Star Wars, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, and of course all of their cast members are first order members and are going prisoners follow us, you know? Um, and so they, they have you go into a kind of a prison bay, um, and Kylo Ren comes and bitches you out. So does the guy who who's Bill Weasley, but isn't Bill Weasley anymore, whatever his name is. Um, the redheaded guy. I never yeah, know his Don name. Donald Gleason. Yeah, yeah. Donald Gleason. Thank you. Um, yeah. So he 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 like you know talks down to you, um, and then the resistance breaks you out. So they like they use like practically like a lightsaber to like open up a door. Um, to a kind of little, kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's a six seater moving little vehicle with a R2. Well, it's not an R2, but it's, it's an, it's a different R unit um, leading the way. And probably he's my favorite because I am a hugely obsessed with R2s or BB units. Um, the robots are always my favorite. Um, <laughs> and he makes a bunch of noises, you know, he'll be like, um, throughout the ride, which really, which really makes it so much better. But basically they take you through the whole Star Destroyer um, trying to escape with the resistance. You run into Kylo Ren. He uses the force on you. So the whole thing goes up into the air. Um, yeah, you're like dodging things. You get to see um, what are those giant walkers from the previous movies. You run into those at some point. It's it's unreal. So it takes wow. you through the whole thing and then you you get beamed back to Batu. And it just like is a whole 360 moment of like, holy shit. I know what Rashad's doing next time he's in Florida. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's the only reason to go to Florida, honestly. <laughs> it's not wrong. Um, but yeah, wow. it's probably my favorite ride ever, um, which is saying a lot as I've been to Disney so many times, but they really captured the full kind of Star Wars experience. That sounds like a dream, honestly. <laughs> which they're doing again. Now they're they're going to charge you thousands of dollars to stay on a, a star on a spaceship and experience that for for two days which is unbelievable people should look it up yeah they've they've made a hotel and basically you um you go in and they they encourage costumes like they encourage full like if you want to be a jedi you can come in fully cosplayed out as a jedi um or whatever you want to be from the star wars universe um and basically it's like a cosplay mixed with like an experiential thing where like you'll run into cast members and they will, you know, you, you make decisions that will lead you to either be helping the resistance or be helping the first order. Um, and so you have like meals on there, they have excursions out to Batu, So you get to do all of the, the star Wars rides. Um, and then they have like a, yeah, a whole, like a whole experiential thing going. Wow, what a world but it costs like two now. grand. It's unreal for like two days. So but it's, it's like a two-day really experience and you sleep on the Star Destroyer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like these nut jobs. <laughs> no, no, I get I get the appeal, but again, oh. like I would not just drop two. I mean, maybe in 10 years when I have a job, but like an actual job, but yeah. I couldn't afford it now. No, wow. it's crazy expensive. I don't think I would do it now, but I think maybe one day if I have money to burn and uh, feel like doing something Star Wars. Nice. So what else is in the other Star Wars, the new Star Wars land? This is very important. Oga's Cantina, which you can eat at. I was wondering what the cantina is. Yeah, it's cool. This, you know, the little robot that plays music, he's there. It's super cute. Um, Again, obsession with robots. Sorry, guys. Um, You've come to the right place. We love (laughs) droids, all droids. I love droids. I'm a huge droid fan. Also, you get to like, there's an amazing experience where you get to make your own droid. Um, Mm. So you can make your own droid. I was like this close to getting one, um, but I felt like, I couldn't bring one back on the flight back to the UK. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but isn't the, I know that there is a place in London where you can build your own lightsaber. Yeah, so they but they have that as well in Batu, yeah. um, and they have a whole experience. Right, it's in a Jedi temple. Um, so <laughs> oh yeah, <my> God. <laughs> so amazing. yeah, so it is quite amazing. And then when when you get to you get to build it yourself, pick out your Kyber crystal, you know, do the whole thing, pick out your, you know. Um, the handle of it and all of that and then eventually they 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 turn it on for you um and there's like a a sheath you can have so people are walking through the park with these giant you know star wars swords but the best thing is going back to batu at night because everyone's got their lightsabers out (laughs) that's so fun no who needs a flashlight when you've got a lightsaber yeah just like (laughs) you know (laughs) You just start hitting people. Yeah. Accidentally. Well, and supposedly the droids will react to where you are in Batu, so they'll they'll also be interactive as well. Mm. And they'll they have the certain droids you responses. built? Yeah. That's pretty cool technology wise. Yeah. Wow. I really wanted one. Yeah. Can you tell? How big are they? Like 
Why couldn't you there, bring it on the plane? I mean, you totally could. It was just that I was trying to make a decision as to what Disney things I was allowing myself to buy, to be perfectly mm. honest. Um, Disney is super expensive. So that's one thing that I feel like we should probably bring up is that it's not a cheap thing to do. Um, you know, food there is expensive. Getting into the park is expensive. And then you want to buy, if you're me, you want to buy everything. Um, and I just couldn't, one, I couldn't do basically what I wanted going in. I wanted a lightsaber. I wanted a droid and I wanted a bunch of other things. (laughs) And I ended up buying mostly a (laughs) t-shirt. Um, and then I have, um, like Ray's Ray has a, like a little, like, um, vest type thing that I have which people don't Mm -hmm. notice is Star Wars themed and I wear on a regular basis and then I have um an exclusive uh, Batu exclusive little lounge fly backpack which has all of the uh, mechanics of the droids in the background but it's like a white white silvery white backpack with the mechanics of it done in rose gold on top so it's an exclusive so I felt like it was a good one to get because other people Mm. can't get it in other places so because I actually use that on a regular basis. Wow. 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 Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Rashad is just like every new thing, everything you bring up, he's just like further and further. Like, like I'm on Google flights right now. Just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, what's the quickest way to get there? Oh uh, yeah. No, it's brilliant. It really is. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, you should, you should go and see it. Yeah. It's such fun times. Wow. So, we have a. Th- this is going to be really mean, and I apologize. Uh-oh. But we have a thing on our podcast. I don't know how if you've ever listened to episodes, but we do top four rankings. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I would just love for both of you, but you specifically, Madison, um, what's your top four? Like basically, rank the four theme parks, and what are your top four rides? Oh God! Okay, so we have two top fours, right? Rank yeah, two, top, two top, fours. top fours. Yeah, and top so four rides. top four parks and top four rides. Yeah, I mean, you, you can take a minute. You can take a minute. You don't have to do it like this second. So think about it. I mean, it's so it's so emotional in a weird yeah, way. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I apologized in advance. <laughs> I think weirdly, it would probably it, this is going to be very basic, which would be. Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom. Like that's mm-hmm. a very easy that's that's the classic. That's the way people tend to tend to rank them. And that's one to four, um, right? One to four, yeah. Okay. But recently my favorite rides are probably ones in my three to four um parks. So probably Rise of the Resistance, then the uh the the flight, the Pandora's flight ride with, with the, the Ikran. And second, my third would probably be a classic Space Mountain. And fourth, probably probably Splash Mountain, honestly, but it would probably be tied with Tower of Terror because I love that ride. Cool. What about you, Rashad? Oh, all right. So um, I have like a maybe a backwards take on a lot of the a lot of the the parks in general so i would say at number 4 similar to most people animal kingdom would be down there sorry mm. to animal kingdom it's great but it's not the best uh especially you know how great everything else is my third park would actually be magic kingdom um i 
think it's amazing, obviously, but I think it's just like the other two are like so emotionally connected for me. Mm. Um, I think, and this is where it really gets harder for me because I love the other two parks so, 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 so much. So but tough. I would have to say Hollywood Studios number two and Epcot is my favorite. I just love the World Showcase so much. Oh, and it's so fun. I, so, yeah, just like so many memories as a kid, just like, you know, going in. I mean, people do like the drink around the world thing. I would do the mm. eat around the world thing. And you just yeah, of course you every would. single country around the world. And it's amazing. And it's just it's such a best. great experience. And I think it's, you know, gotten better over time as they added more things for sure. Um, one of my favorite rides are in Epcot and we'll get there too. Um, and <laughs> I have a feeling just... I know which one it is. Oh, do you? That's interesting. Um, we'll see if I'm right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like a great, I don't know. I love Epcot so, so much at Hollywood studios. I remember as a, in high school going to, they used to have what was called ESPN the weekend mm. in, uh, in Hollywood studios. I think, I don't know if it was MGM at that time or Hollywood studios yet, but uh, I remember going there and just kind of like me as a young teenage sports fan, just going insane and just being so happy and just loving it like a crazy kid on crack. Mm. And just... I, I feel I feel like when you when you're like after you've been there the next time, it'll probably just the just the Star Wars thing will just push Hollywood Studios to number one. Yeah, oh, maybe yeah. honestly, because like, yeah, it's just so great. Um, yeah. I, I I just like it a lot, but I think Epcot, especially for food. Mm. probably puts it at number one yeah i was just looking at the attendance rates by the way and it's really interesting because like on the wikipedia page there are the um, statistics from 2008 to 2018 and it was basically like magic kingdom epcot hollywood studios and animal kingdom mm -hmm. but animal kingdom has that is actually now number two yeah because of the of pandora the ride ah i see <laughs> So what yeah, happens is they, whenever they introduce something new, they try and do it in the park that's least successful. Mm. And so Hollywood Studios is actually not doing that well before they introduced yeah. Star Wars. And then I'm guessing it climbed up a huge amount. Yeah. Interesting. And just like yeah. Animal Kingdom really wasn't doing well for a good period of time. And then they added mm. in Pandora. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Rochelle, what's your top four rides? Give me one second. Sure. Okay. Sorry. So um, my number four is, I think it's called Expedition Everest in Animal Kingdom. Oh, great ride. I think that's my fourth best ride. Um, my third best ride is uh, Fast Track in Epcot. Um, my second and first, again, hard to, uh, my second hard to choose obviously but my second one is uh just a classic space mountain mm. gotta love it it's just uh it's just amazing and number one is i mean it's no surprise it's star tours <laughs> yeah <laughs> that might change i i wrote the new star tours i think once they they mm. redid it right yeah with like the resistance or the sequel trilogy stuff right yeah and um i have more fond or nostalgic memories of the older star tours And I'm yeah. sure every old curmudgeon like me says that, but you know, just Star Tours is just so. I haven't I haven't experienced what you've experienced yet, Madison, with the new uh, Star Wars. Yeah, you just wait. <laughs> so good. <laughs> It's just so many things there. Hmm. Yeah, I think that might change. I'm if sure you, it will. If you do Resistance and Millennium, I'm sure. Yeah. I think the top four will all just be different Star Wars rides. Let's be yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, they've mm. done such a good job. I'm honestly so impressed with what they did with it. I mean, obviously, Star Tours was a huge deal when it came out. I don't know if you guys know about the history of Star Tours, but that they that they figured that out and that it was, you know, they had so many different options, right? So that's what's so cool about Star Tours is you could do it like seven different times and get seven different experiences, um, nice. which was awesome at the time, obviously, when it came out. Um, but also as like a nostalgic thing. People loved seeing the different options and stuff with Star Tours. Um, and they took all of the stuff that they learned from that and used it for for Rise of the Resistance and for, for the new Millennium Falcon ride. So, yeah. I have one more top four for you, Madison. Oh. And I'm sorry okay. to do this again. Oh, no. This is What is your top four pavilions in the World's ca- World Showcase? Oof. Oh, God. No, just, I feel uh, just like to I clarify should... for Chris, I'll list the different countries that are represented in the World Showcase. And... Yeah, which is, by the way, a bit ridiculous that this is what's considered the world. But, you know, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so we have um, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Morocco, Japan, the United States, Italy, Germany, China, Norway, and Mexico. The entire world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It's an odd choice of countries as well. Um, I mean, it's better than when there was just like an Africa section. Which... There is still an Africa mm-hmm. section. Oh, there is? Oh, yeah. There still is. Oh, which so kills bad. me a little bit internally, but, you know, every time I pass through it. Because there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing to do in the Africa section either, which is... It's just like a pass-by, honestly. Yeah, which is problematic. Did you also see Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one because this is all food and drinks-based, right? Yeah. So, I mean... Oh, God. The last time I did this was on New Year's Eve before doing all the Star Wars stuff. And uh, I drank around the world, drank and ate around the world, which was a blast. Oh, God. Um, I'll try and go backwards this time so that you, the same way you did. I'd say fourth. Oof. I'm trying to decide. I have to admit, I, I've got four that I obviously really like. I really like Mexico which yeah, is a funny choice. Good. I love France. Um, Italy is super fun and has a great pizza joint. And um, Norway also has the frozen ride. So those are probably my top four. Um, ranked Ranking them though, um, Norway would probably be fourth because it has the worst food with the best ride. Because the frozen ride is super fun. So probably come in for yeah. Um, third would probably be Mexico. I have like, you know, fond memories of going around and around and around in the ride inside Mexico with my family as we were waiting for our dinner reservations. Um, and then as an adult getting margaritas, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, then the tough one is Italy versus France. I think I'd probably go Italy for second and France for first. And the reason is very specific is that I'm French Canadian. And so I get to chat away with the Disney employees there from France and they get super excited to chat with you. Um, And in France, you can get a wine flight with like three different kinds of wine um, from France, which are all great. And if you speak French, they fill up your glasses a lot higher than they should. (laughs) Fun fact. (laughs) 
Maybe I should maybe I shouldn't call them out like that, but um <laughs> at least that's what happened the last time I was there. Mm. Um and I got I got I went there with my supervisor and my best friend Emma and uh they had me go order in France because they saw that I got way more wine. <laughs> so but it also has great food. What about you, Rashad? You don't you didn't think you'd get away with it, right? Yeah, like what's no, your top I, four? I don't know why I just thought I'd get I'd be scot free on here. Nope. Ah, uh, Oh, but also Japan has really good food, doesn't it? Like the, the yeah. Asian area. I forgot about yeah. the pot stickers there. Those are so yeah, good. Yeah, those are delicious. So for me, actually, it was very similar because for me, number four is Norway. Three is Mexico. Um, and I think also two, Italy, and one is Japan. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's just the I, biggest divergence between our lists. I forgot about Japan, I realized. I really yeah. like Japan as well. That's amazing. It's I so think good. there's just like honestly, I'm so sorry, but like the Canada Pavilion is not that interesting. It's terrible. It's yeah. so boring. And actually, the U.S. is probably my least favorite pavilion. Yeah, it's outside of Africa, who doesn't really have a pavilion. Um, and I also think it's just problematic that it's a whole continent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of problematic stuff about the Africa area, but um, yeah, I don't get why the U.S. gets its own pavilion. We're already in the U.S. Why didn't they put some other country? exactly um but i also there i think there's a is there a moroccan restaurant somewhere around i don't know yes it's so good as well delicious so and also like jasmine is my favorite disney princess other than rapunzel maybe so that's really fair so that's a whole other thing too (laughs) yeah (laughs) well they changed her outfit recently she's not as sexy as she used to be which i feel like is probably a good thing but also doesn't doesn't jive with my memory of Jasmine from the original movie. animated movie. Hmm. What, is she, what does it even look like? That's what I'm interested in. The outfit. Yeah, the new one. It's basically like, instead of her having basically just a kind of bra top on, it's a full, like, sleeved and full, like, to her. It's a full Still shirt, the same basically. blue, though. The same blue, yeah. Okay. Okay, fair enough. That's important. Still wearing her signature color, Rashad. Don't worry. I know, right? How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you mentioned the uh, the cost of going there mm. earlier, and I was wondering if you could like elaborate on that because you know that that's probably preventing a lot of people from going there too. Oh yeah, and I would be curious to hear about that. Well, it's just gone up and up over the last few years as well. So, I mean, I don't even want to know what it cost when I started going to Disney versus what it is now. Um, but it's about $100, $100 US at this point just to get into the park. Mm. So that's not even, that's not food. That's not, that's just getting into the park. Um, and I think that what's prohibitive is that parents are bringing their kids and there's so many opportunities to buy things. Be it like balloons, popcorns, toys, you know, and they catch you at every opportunity. So a lot of the time coming out of a ride, you'll walk straight into a gift shop, which like, (laughs) obviously kids want everything as soon as they walk out, right? They've experienced this great thing. Like they've just experienced Pirates of the Mm. Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, And they come out into like a pirate shop. And so, of course, all they want is pirate stuff. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a few people who've re- who've visited it recently that because of the way you pay there, 
you lose track of your expenses. Yes. And then at the end, it's just like a huge sum of money. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because they have, they basically have the same thing as Apple Pay, um, but on their um, their magic bands, which is now the tickets. So they have these bands that go around your wrists that are now tickets that you can um, connect your credit card to. So instead of having to bring money with you or take your, your card out or any of that stuff, you just tap on the band and it charges your credit card. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous in that kind of park. So obviously people don't give their kids those, those privileges. They tend to only keep it for the yeah. adults, which is good. Um, oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to give your kid any of that, but nope. um, yeah, I do think there's a way to do it that is a bit less expensive. I think that if you, if you think about it really strategically, my family always brought food with us into the park. So you are allowed to bring in picnics and stuff. Um, and I can't give away all my secrets, but I can say that there are certain restaurants where the portion sizes are super American. And so if you only got like one meal, you could share it between quite a few people. Um, because it's the U S depending on what your, what your hunger is and portion sizes are, you know, it wouldn't be so bad. Um, yeah, I think there's like a lot of strategies like that you can do. Maybe stay off Disney property as well. Yeah. Depending on the budget of the range, you can also look for deals in the hotels on Disney property too. And yeah, and they shuttle. do have more affordable ones now because they have the oh, um, the animation, which is basically like an equivalent to a Holiday Inn. Like it's not nice, even maybe less less nice, but it's all Disney themed, and it means you have transport to and from the park and yeah. All of that. That's a good. But, I mean, there are ways to do it cheaper for sure. Yeah, I would say plan well in advance and yeah. find deals, and you know, be conscious of what you're what you're what you're spending. I mean, my family always had a thing where we only had we were only allowed to buy one thing throughout our whole Disney trip. So you nice. had to like be very very, you know, aware of what you were buying. So, like, you didn't want to spend that on popcorn, for example. <laughs> so. I mean, from your parents' perspective, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't we didn't really do a lot of the food. If we decided we were going to do a, a dinner, you know, we would do a very specific dinner. But, mm. um, you know, lunch and breakfast we tended to bring. Mm. So you were only allowed one souvenir, basically. Mm. But, Rashad, you had another another tip. Oh, I mean, maybe this is not as uh, viable nowadays, but back in the day, sometimes if you get there early enough, you can maybe split two parks into one day so you can get one park hopper ticket mm. for a day. And then for the bigger parks, more you want to spend more time in them, you can spend one full day mm. in the park and not get a park hopper for that day. So, And then also the bundles for the different tickets save you just like, you know, pennies here and there, but then they can add up mm. in the grand scheme of things when you're adding like a four-day vacation or three-day yeah. vacation at Disney World. In as much as you're comfortable sharing any more uh, tips, uh, I mean, we don't want you to be subject to your family's ire or anything. <laughs> if there are, especially like first timers going going to Disney World, what would you what you, would you advise them to do and not to do? I think definitely go online. Go look at the map. I'm, I'm a mapping person, 
So that's mm-hmm. what I study. I study maps. Um, so I always look, I mean, look at the map of the different parks and see where the different rides are and time yourself. So know that, you know, by 11 a.m. I have to be at Everest when I'm on Animal Kingdom. Um, that'll really help you to pick out your fast pass as well, like strategically so that you can do them chronologically as you walk through the park. Um, so yeah, plan well in advance, make sure you get on the app and get your dining reservations in your fast pass reservations in. It's a whole process. It's also really fun. Like it's fun to plan these things out. I love planning out Disney vacations. I mean, if this whole academic thing doesn't work out, maybe I should just plan other people's Disney vacations. Um, I'm sure there is an uh, there is like people who do that. Yeah, supposedly there's a market for it. I feel like I would mm. rock at that. Um, but yeah, I think that you just have to plan it out really carefully, and you know, look for deals, and mostly also just it's hard not to get caught up in, oh, I need to do all the rides and I need to do all these things and I, I want to get the most out of this experience or whatever. But don't forget to like stop for a parade and mm. make sure you watch the fireworks and just, you know, enjoy the experience because it is super fun. Just be present, I think, is the best advice. Nice. Take it all in. Uh, and with that note, thank you so much, Madison, for joining us. Oh, yeah, no on this problem. podcast we love hearing from you and getting all the insider tips and all the great things about disney world yeah no and problem. i am so excited <laughs> I, like, uh, I really need to get there as soon as possible yeah me too i haven't been in the whole this is the first time i it's, i've been away from it for so long mm. yeah i guess the pandemic tra- strikes again yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> I mean, I think that this is really low on the totem pole of difficult things to deal with with the pandemic. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the first year I haven't gone in a long time. So, mm. well, hopefully it gets to go soon. Here's hoping. All right. So, um, Madison, I just have a quick question for you. If people yeah. liked what they heard and yes. want to support the podcast, what should they do? I mean, subscribe, listen in. Uh, you know, make sure that they have notifications turned on if that's a possibility and make sure that they, they tune in again next time. Yeah. And Chris, what else should they do? Uh, they should definitely rate us on wherever uh, they listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Overcast or whatever. Just give us those five stars so people can find us better. Exactly. And everyone, you can find our contact information, our Twitter, email, everything on our website, seriallyhooked.com. So if you want, if you liked what you heard, just get in touch with us. We'd like to hear from you. So thanks again and talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.